0: Welcome to the November episode of Jazz Talk Seattle. We are slightly late this month, but here we are. Hello, I'm Max. My name is Josh. And today we have in the studio a very special guest, Evan Flory Barnes, a wonderful bass player. But before we get to all the accolades and awards that he has won over the many years that he's been playing in Seattle. And elsewhere, I want to remind you that we have a Facebook page for the podcast. Yep. Just look up Jazz Talk Seattle and go like that if you want news on what's going on. We're also on SoundCloud, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Please leave us a review or subscribe. That's the best way to figure out.
1: Or tell other people about it.
0: Yeah. Best way to find out when the latest episode's coming out. Okay. So Evan Flory Barnes, amazing bass player, composer, arranger, orchestrator. And show producer, what else do you uh, do? I've been singing and writing songs singing these days. Singing and writing Singer. songs,
2: yep. yeah, which has been fun. That's awesome, and it's interesting. I think about uh, having you had uh, Marina and Birch here, mm-hmm. like, we kind of bass players <laughs> stepping out and
0: and singing these days, which is good. Yeah, is, to, I, I wonder to. if that's like just a Seattle scene thing—upright players that sing at the same time. You know, it's it's a, it's an interesting thing because I think like you are often
2: you're you're in the back and you're supporting and even if you play in a sort of interactive style you're still mm-hmm. holding things down i think so i think this is just a natural way that you hear as a bass player that uh i think if you've thought about singing and then you kind of get along it's like it's a nice little thing to step into i think
1: and the vo- the sound of the Human voice in the bass. Yes. It's so harmonious. Oh, too.
2: <clears throat> that's like my favorite setting mm-hmm. to
0: <clears throat> play. I mean, even playing, even bass voice duos. It's like yeah. such a great sound. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I was just talking to somebody, a friend uh, earlier today about this actually, about how uh, I'm, I play the accordion and keys. And so for me, when I'm singing, I don't necessarily have to keep down the beat like a bass player does. Right. And I can. Uh, almost cheat if I'm playing around with time, I can make my accordion do what my voice is going to do at the same time. Right. And I was just marveling at how when a bass player wants to play with time, like you or Marina or Birch does, you all are able to play a steady quarter note beat on the bass while doing something wildly different with your voice, and that just blows my mind.
2: Yeah, that that's actually the I think the funniest thing about kind of starting to incorporate the voice with the bass and other things is that. Mm-hmm. Really dialing into this independence vibe, yeah. and really, and kind of training yourself to s- step out of one and mm-hmm. dial in the other. It's so it's a, it's a it's also a great like thing to learn because it's always good to add add as many things to
0: learn and to stretch yourself. And so it, that's a really it's a really good thing <clears throat> to do for Just, sure. Yeah, is that has that been difficult for you to pick up, or is you, that come did that come really naturally to you? You know, I remember. I remember hearing uh, Esperanza for the first
2: time mm-hmm. and, and just kind of tripping out because it's like, it sounds like an independent bass player and an independent oh, yeah. vocalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to challenge myself. I actually had a challenge recently with a new song where I added sort of like a little stanky, little funky bass line underneath it, but the lyric line is very melodic and high, and I wanted to. And at first, I was like, "Oh, you know, you don't have to do this. like, no, nah, man, practice this." And I practiced it, and now it mm-hmm. works out. And it's kind of like it's, it's it it's funny. It's like just the simple thing of put spending time with something, and then you dial it in, and it's like becomes comes dialed in, and it's like in your
0: bones. Just, yeah, I mean, like anything for sure. You know, yeah. Were there specific exercises that you tried to develop that, or it was, was it just working on the song? I think, just, I think it's just
2: I think just working on the song and allowing myself to. You know, you make allow yourself to make the mistakes, of course, and just kind of get into the repetition of it, and then just notice the nuances. and And there is this weird thing about, and I'm sure you guys know it, especially as a drummer and a keys player, but you get that independence going. And there is that kind of, I have this experience, where it's almost this kind of out of body trip, which is like, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing a couple <laughs> of things at yep. once. My, this is doing this, this is doing mm-hmm. that, and so just. There's a kind of like way you gotta get out of your
0: own head about it and just yep. let yeah. it happen. I for me, whenever I'm doing any kind of independent stuff with two hands, whether I'm accordion or keys or whatever, it's I I don't ever think of it as independent. Right, right. it it only ever works when my brain gets to the point where I can make them both one and the same. That makes them. That,
2: that makes a lot of sense to me.
0: And I think that is a thing of like you're doing the
2: two things. And they're working off of each other, and then you get to notice and get into the little details like how is this voice working with the bass, and and even you, I'll notice myself going, oh, I'm now I'm singing with the bass instead of saying singing something unique, and then at the same time this bass line is informing mm-hmm. this, and so it's it's and then sometimes I'll sing without the bass and I'll play with the bass, and then just seeing the contrast and, and it's it's fun, it's fun to just explore that dial really that cool. in
0: what kind of groups are you playing uh these new songs with are you doing mostly just yourself solo or are you having other people play with you it's
2: been interesting i i've been so right now i'm workshopping this trio version of these songs that i call love letters from the bohemian triangle mm. and it's like this concept of of uh i think it's a kind of document of my of my 30s and just like relationships and and art and and sort of watching people, you know, kind of get stuck in ruts, watching yourself get stuck in ruts. And so, you know, I've done everything from orchestra versions to these songs, to having a trio of harp and a drummer, to a little string quartet mm-hmm. version of these songs. And right now, uh, I have uh, Tim Kennedy and Brad Gibson uh, on keys and drums, respectively, and we're we're kind of building the foundation for these songs and playing around with them and stretching them. And cause I think, I think sometimes what can happen, especially with the jazz word is that you can both, it's like this weird word and this weird style with that You both, I find myself embracing and moving away from and not wanting to be, but at the same time, loving all the essential and deep elements of it. And at the same time having other influences that you wanted to bring through. And so what i've allowed myself to do is just embrace all of that and so we're playing the tunes as a trio and i'm playing a lot of bass guitar actually i'm bringing both basses into it so it
1: feels very cool feels good that was actually something i was going to ask you about the bohemian triangle because i noticed i was doing a little reading before this and i noticed that someone asked you about that once before but for those of us who don't know what a bohemian triangle is that that's kind of a concept that you came up with right Mm -hmm. what is that as a concept mm-hmm. of being,
2: so being like, like 29, 30, 31, and like meeting, being in the U District, right, uh, well after I was done with school and just kind of working and playing gigs, coming up with different ideas, doing a little tour and doing a little traveling, just kind of being in this sort of creative scene, art scene, jazz scene, music scene, and at the same time watching people who are maybe like, 10 to 15 to 17 years older than me and watching like this bitterness hit them and this really heaviness and this sort of uh, holding back or unfulfilled thing. You see this bitterness and this resentment and this anger and and then saying to myself in 15 years time, I don't want to be there. I want to be. Whatever it is I do, I want to be um, content and full with the, mu- the the life I have and the music I have. And I felt like I was also aware of like it's only one sort of subtle, subtle like form of re- of resigning to some aspect of yourself of not pushing yourself. Within fifteen years goes by and uh, you're some bitter dude at the bar reminiscing on what you. Could have been or used to be, and I just was. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's also this soundtrack of like, but dealing with that in a sort of positive and kind and compassionate way. Where so it's like this, and so and then looking at my own sort of dances with that, and uh, and the songs and the relationships and the inspirations that have come and informed the songs and so. Mm.
0: Where did you? How did the name come about for this concept? Because I would see. You know, I would hang
2: at Flowers in the U District, mm-hmm. and then you'd hang at the Blue Moon, and then you'd hang,
1: and you just see these characters. And characters there are. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> you see these, you see,
2: you see these, 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 you know, sensitive, soulful people, you know, who are doing their thing on one end, but then also, like, you could just see, um, like, so the idea of the Bohemian Triangle is just this kind of, like, artistic creative hang playground that's inspiring at one end but then on another end it it can be like you can get stuck in it like the bermuda triangle you can get stuck hmm. and get lost yeah. and then all of a sudden this time passes and it's just like you know the time between I mean even like for myself in between like 26 and I'm 39 now and it's just like there's one ways I look back and that time seems long stretch but there's another end it's like oh man it seems like it was just yesterday and just so making sure and it's also a call to make sure i'm pushing myself creatively to do what i really want to do and not get stuck in the bohemian triangle so it's almost like the the psychological concept of making the thing conscious and bringing it to light because if i wasn't aware of the bohemian triangle probably just be stuck in it you know (laughs) that's
1: super cool and that's something i don't think a lot of people are kind of addressing let alone making art about Mm. um and actually another thing I was gonna ask you was I know that you're involved in a lot of creative circles mm-hmm. around Seattle. You're and you're from Seattle too. Yep. You grew up yep. in here you went to Garfield, right? Yep. yep. Um Did you play in the jazz band there? No, I play I was when I played in the uh played with Sudokawa in the orchestra. Oh, okay. My
2: my 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 sort of origin story is kinda of, kind of a trip because it's like I started playing I started playing bass right after eighth grade, bass guitar. Then with went the to Cleveland High School for a semester. I was in the sort of beginning strings, uh, general music. So there was like a guitar class, cats playing drums and like strings. So then I Whoa. played I played uh, double bass shortly after that. And then there was, we played like Canon and D and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. It was like a, kind of like a elementary style concert. Then I transferred to Garfield. I couldn't read... I couldn't, barely had any technique, but I was like, I'm gonna play in the orchestra. I just, so I went up there and then uh, I missed the waltz. And then they brought the A and B orchestra together and then like I got thrown at the deep end. I played Shostakovich five. I was like the now last nine <laughs> basses. And I just like, <laughs> I just grabbed onto what I could grab onto and then just <laughs> brought like this garage band sensibility to the orchestra. So it was oh, like, man. so the, my four years at Garfield was in the orchestra. And then hip hop. I tried out my sophomore year for the jazz band. Huh. wasn't good enough at the time. Didn't make it, but yeah, wow, it's well, a trip.
1: Going back to my original question, <laughs> yeah. that's that's really cool. Um, uh, what, what are some of the creative circles you're involved in, and and how do those influence your music?
2: Oh man. Well, it goes back. You know, I've always, I always liked, like when I would read about old the old jazz greats. You know, mm-hmm. whether it was Duke or it was Miles or it was trainer or Monk or whoever, it was like it was always this thing of immersing themselves in whatever art they were around. So I took that as a, as much of a part of my shed back in the day as anything. So I would go to uh, modern dance shows, I'd go to poetry things, I'd go to theater, I'd see hip hop, I'd go to. So let's say I feel like I'm involved and in, like connected to like. I mean, even the old school b-boy scene. Uh, all these different scenes, dance, theater, yeah. poetry.
0: Cool. Are those circles you participate in yourself, too?
2: I'm, I felt like I've been a s- spectator of a lot. Like, I made work that it br- it brought together break dancers and uh, modern dancers. And then I've done a lot of like accompanying for poets. And, and then it, it, it's inspired me to write. And, it's, and I think it's a- affected my songwriting and everything else.
1: For sure. Very cool. Um, one other question I had about that was are there any people you think a lot of us should be aware of in like artists uh, or man. musicians or otherwise that maybe aren't very well known that you might want to shed light on? Man. <clears throat> hmm. I mean there's always you know, there are always there's, so many, always, there's yeah. always so many, but yeah. <laughs> If any pop into your head, you know. Man. 'Cause uh, people are listening to to hear about jazz in Seattle, but that's also kind of tied into other arts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so musician or otherwise, I was just wondering if there were any people you'd want to kind of just bring up. Let's see, man, they're doing cool stuff or have done cool stuff. Yeah, There's a lot. It's, it's got different see. stuff. Maybe why,
2: you know, the thing that comes to mind, I think for this is just thinking about, I think organizations come to mind, you know, yeah. like on the boards, and what they're doing at Langston Hughes and mm-hmm. CD Forum, um, uh let's see, what else? I it's 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 a trip, man. I I feel it almost feels like, because in a way, I feel like I've been in my own sort of laboratory of late, kind of like kind of kind of isolated, like you know, I think about like. Or even places like venues like the sea monster lounge, you know mm-hmm. and what goes on there, and so you know there's a I'm not think anybody in particular any one person it's it's got no one's coming off the top and it's funny, I feel like <laughs> I used to like i feel like i'm out I feel like I'm out of the loop in one way like I feel like I had a like you know i mean there's people
1: that you need shed time too,
2: yeah exactly shed I mean, time and cultivation yeah. time and, yeah you know especially when you're doing
1: something that's Kind of shifting, sure. What you used to do. Maybe yeah. you can tell me a little more about what they're doing at Langston Hughes, because I I think I heard about it somewhere, and I just played there as part of the Earshot Festival, and it's a cool, really cool space. But yeah. what are they actually doing there, like th- presentation wise? I think I, yeah. I think
2: they're just they're just aiming to get, you know, and, and I and I'm glad, you know, they they're aiming to just get a wide variety of different Black American performers, among other things. And, um, yeah, I heard
1: Mark Lilly was doing something there soon, yeah, It's gonna be really cool, yeah,
2: the, yeah, so it's it's and I think they're just turning up their presentation of both national international things and local things because I think and sort of broader with more breadth, I think, and cool. I think I think it's a good thing because again it's it's you what know Langston it? Hughes is that's not a that's not exactly. a the namesake is not small <laughs> it's like that's exactly.
1: major, and they weren't really doing much for quite a while, right. It, it seemed like to be here and there here, you know well, and my yeah. my
2: aunt used to uh artistic direct for them and so i was aware of various things they did it felt like mostly like a like there was the film festival they had there was the, mm, okay um um but i feel like where that's located it should be like
1: it should be pretty popping yeah exactly <laughs> it's a big big room and it, and know. it seems like it's,
2: it, it's, it's getting there. it's getting there yeah
1: cool okay
0: shout out to and
1: Hughes yeah from cool. shout out to Langston Hughes
0: so you mentioned that you've been uh, I guess been spending more time in the shed been more practicing more or working on stuff lately and one of the questions I've been really uh, enjoying asking whatever musician I run into these days is what are you practicing what do you work on when you're when you've got an hour two hours however much time you're about to spend with your bass or your instrument or singing what What kind of practice routines do you have?
2: I've been shedding a lot of bass guitar, which has been fun. Because when I first started playing bass guitar, it was coming out of this kind of alternative rock, funk-inspired space. And then when I got into college, I really started diving in on the uh, string bass, upright. And it almost got to the point where a lot of folks didn't even know I played uh, bass guitar. And so I've been going back and... You know, I've I've applied some of my upright technique to the electric, but at the same time, I've been really just dialing in some, some like, straight-up, rudimentary, like, bass guitar, just really just dialing in the neck, not just necessarily transferring the upright to the electric, but sure. actually applying those bass guitar technical sensibilities. And it's been fun because the trip about kind of, like, having a musical bass like harm harmonically, melodically, et cetera. And playing the bass lines, it's like, it takes shorter time to apply kind of classic, like more classic principles. So like you can, so you're, you're uh, the time it takes, takes less, but it's a trip because it's, you're still, you're still training your brain to do definitely different things. So it's been really fun to shed bass guitar.
0: Yeah. Like it's been a lot of fun. That makes sense. Yeah. That's definitely been my experience. Uh, coming from a piano background and then uh, playing accordion or mm-hmm. playing Hammond organ when I get the chance to, mm-hmm. it's a lot of the same, uh, what you're saying really resonates right. with, with me. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Growing up in Seattle, um, would you say that any of your playing has been defined by the city or any, any aspects of your artistic being? I, th- I think so. i my hope is that, I mean obviously yes, but yeah. like anything that stands out maybe.
2: I think, man, there's a it's it's funny. we me and Tim, Tim
1: Kennedy, Kennedy. Tim yeah. Kennedy
2: were going to go out in uh January to New York to play with Casa Overall, the drummer
1: who's Tim, from here. Tim is from Seattle
2: too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, from Seattle. Yeah. Went to uh he went to Bellevue High School, so he's from Oh, okay. So uh we're about to go out there and play with Casa and I'm really happy about that because one thing Casa talks about is this there is a there's this Seattle thing, <laughs> and he wants to sort of bring that, and share that, and I and I so it's, I think one thing I notice is that we live in a really beautiful place, like more beautiful than most places mm-hmm. in the country. I don't even want to make it like a comparative thing. It's just a certain kind of thing where you have city, two bodies of water, big big ass mountain, Mountains. two mountain ranges, and yep. it's like that informs something i mean i feel like i didn't it didn't take much to go out and get some kind of natural inspiration for things i
1: completely agree yeah
2: yeah that that i think that and and i think and i think that openness is like and that eclecticism that we have naturally it's like a, there's a yeah
1: i've always found that seeing mountains on a daily basis like for well i lived in boston for for several years too but uh, I think I kind of noticed when I wasn't around mountains that um, I was more aware of, like, the passing of time. Because, mm. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when I see things like mountains that have taken such a long time, relatively speaking, right. to, to come into existence, it kind of just is a constant reminder of of the passing of time, I guess, yeah. for me.
2: I can dig that. I like that angle. Uh, yeah. Because well, it, cause it's like, <clears throat> it's a... It's a trip to just have that. You almost take it for granted. Being
1: you do. <laughs> you totally do. Because yeah.
2: even yeah. when you go to New York and like, yeah, you can see like the Hudson and the East River and then you can go in the parks do their function. But mostly it's like
1: concrete. Yeah. This is another totally, maybe slightly different, partially unrelated angle. But kind of building on that, another thing I noticed and have noticed is that when I'm in cities, especially like larger cities where you can't see any stars at right. night. Suddenly, the universe shrinks and Mm. becomes basically the city that you're in. Right. But as soon as you get out of that and you can see the stars, suddenly the universe kind of becomes the universe again and it's so much bigger than that. And that's kind of an interesting thing that I've kind of been inspired by at times too.
2: Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that we have all, we have like the cityscape and the city's growing and then we still have this and it's juxtaposed with like mm-hmm. this. It's like when you <gasps> land in Seattle, like when you like fly over, and sometimes I like look out the window I'm like, dang. This is where I live. It's like a, it's like a trip. It's like, nothing, nothing looks like this. It's like... It, <laughs> that, it, it,
1: that or you're flying into like fog soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> or when you land and then you get out the plane and you get out and you step out of the terminal and you just breathe like... Like the New York breast in contrast to the Seattle breast. Like the Seattle breast is just oh, like. Yeah. <sighs> it's just much more <laughs> deep and,
1: and So full. true. So <laughs> true. Definitely. Oh, man.
0: So I want to go back to a comment that you were talking about earlier the, that I found just really interesting. Talking about the Seattle scene or the Seattle sound or mm-hmm. the, the Seattle scene having a special something. Yeah. What do you think that is? Is that the thing that you feel like you can describe <sighs> in words? for I- what musicians do here that's common between Seattle musicians versus other scenes? I think... And I, I, I want... I want us to use the... I've always wanted Seattle
2: to claim this. I think we've had a trouble... I think just as a city in general, all aspects of itself, claiming what it uniquely is. like I not, agree. Not comparing itself to New York, not comparing itself sure. to Chicago, but just claiming what it is. And I think there's just a way in which you can be... You can, like... Cook up your thing, and it's unique thing. And you and, and I think that's why so many Seattle musicians do so well other places because we have this time to kind of incubate, mm. and like, gestate a certain thing, this kind of internal thing. And then when it comes out, um, it just is like, whoa, what's that? What's what's going on there? There's something. There's something there. I mean, even Quincy Jones talked about it. Like he said, when when he and <coughs> Troy Charles went to uh, New York they were cultivating their own sound. So when they got to New York, they had their own thing. They weren't concerned with what Cats were doing around what Burr was doing. So I think there's that. I think there's hmm. just... I mean, like, I think about Jeff Johnson, Burge Marina, myself, as far as, like, like, we're all very distinct players. There's ways I there's ways that Burge has inspired me. There's ways that Jeff's inspired me. There's ways Marina inspires me. But no one, like, sounds... There's not, like oh, these guys are Seattle bass players that do this particular thing. It's a very unique thing amongst all those players.
1: That's true. Mm. Hmm. Maybe I should think about this as a drummer. See if yeah, I can think about I it mean, what do you think
2: about it? Because I, 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 I think it's that, and I think it's just
1: like... I think there's a certain openness to... I don't know if it's if it's an, an openness to other sounds or maybe a lack of understanding of or knowledge of like traditions right that exist in other places i don't know which one or both it is but i think for better or for worse in general people here tend to stray from the beaten path a little more mm-hmm. maybe mhm for should sure be a thing that i that mean happens. If, you, if you sometimes i think mm-hmm. about the history of this city
2: i mean quincy jones Ray mm-hmm. charles Jimi Hendrix, even Bruce Lee for that matter. It's like a city of innovation and integration. It's like, Mm -hmm. take this part, this part, this part, and this part. Now, here's this new
1: thing. And do your own Mm -hmm. thing, too. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. And so there's this new thing that's your own that's like all these different things brought together.
1: So I have, yeah, I have another question that kind of is related to that. Um, Going back, so just for a ground point here, you played on Macklemore's heist the heist right play, yeah
2: play the one track on the on, heist, on yeah. one
1: track yeah and then you got to go to the grammys for that correct mm-hmm. and i'm assuming correct me if i'm wrong that you probably got a fairly maybe lengthy glimpse into that side of the music world yeah kind of seeing the the, the you know i don't want to necessarily call it the pop um for lack of a better term production side of things yeah. and the the just how the distribution works, how the game works yeah. at that level. And I was just wondering, because most jazz musicians um, are not ever going to see that necessarily. Mm. Um, I was just wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about that and what the differences are between, say, like an average day-to-day jazz player. <clears throat> Gosh. And like if if there's anything they should know also well, on either side. You know,
2: <laughs> get it's interesting because there was the playing <laughs> on the album mm-hmm. uh, and the, the band that had for a long time The Teaching the was teaching. myself and Josh Rowlings and Jeremy Jones. And we uh, we played the song Bomb Bomb, which is the only instrumental track on that heist album. And what's interesting about that is that, um, you know, we got to go to the Grammys and that was a trip. And what was actually really cool was like, we were sitting next to Christian McBride, so that was pretty dope. You know, it was it was kind of like okay, they put us in the right place. You, you know? got a nice seat. <laughs> and then uh, so there was this kind of this trippy thing about that. But what's interesting is, I think that that led I think to the more important thing, which is like, um, one of the things I think is so important to opening your mind to different styles and approaches and musics is that led to, um me not playing the bass line on Downtown, but writing the bass line on Downtown, which came out huh. on the uh yeah, yeah. Unruly Mess album. Mm-hmm. And what that allowed and since it became like I got like a little writing credit three like on the on hmm. the thing and that that allowed me to p- do some traveling and pay for some things and get a little platinum record and and yeah. the, <laughs> the thing about that is that the trip of that experience wasn't necessarily a success of it, but it was kind of like that opportunity from being open to play to on Macklemore's record. This this, indep- this at independent at the time hip hop artist mm-hmm. um, led to that experience of not even playing, just writing. I wrote the bass line and then they they overdubbed it, but that like paid more than I've ever been paid before by anything. So it's a, it's a weird huh. kind of thing of like. <laughs> there's God. all this time folks been in the shed, but then there's this sort of things like, hey, I didn't even play. You know, there's this percussionist. Like, what's that guy's name? Uh, Emil, Emil Richards. Emil Richards. He played on the Jaws soundtrack and he came to U Dub a long time ago. And he's like, right, right, get a song, get a get a credit. And so he's like, you know, a lot of guys they play on tracks and they'll they'll dial that in. But even if you write something you'll be seeing a lot of money and I just I I just kind of thought about him so there's that aspect of like being open so and so you can connect to something that you don't know if it's gonna be this this hit but it was funny like I was at the Seattle Storm game Mm -hmm. and it was halftime and I heard doom <laughs> do,
1: do, do. Do, 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 do. Like, I just got paid. Just got, I just got paid. <laughs> well, maybe I should ask as well is there anything that you, uh, that so, so people listening, if they start writing more music, what should they do to license that music? Should it ever be placed in something like a song like that? Oh man, what well, do you need to do to, to basically cover yourself? Well, if that happens,
2: I think. <clears throat> I think there's it's it's a big question. The good good news that music modern modernization act just passed recently. That's true. That's right. And so, if you're involved in that world, there'll be you'll get more for.
1: So, well, first they have to sign up as a as a composer. Composer, yeah, in either like,
2: ASCAP, BMI, yep, yep. Uh, C-SAC,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: just and so just being aware. I mean, I still feel like I'm. Like a lot of what was set up for me was through Macklemore and like gotcha. and their and their lawyers and so now as I'm looking into bringing my own stuff, um, just taking note and again this being open up, and and I think we it's an interesting time also because you know we have like the era of like Kamasi Washington, Snarky Puppy, mm-hmm. um, you know I mean I remember meeting one of Kendrick Lamar's backup vocalists uh at the Grammys and it's like you know he there's I think I think there's just so many layers of of um and again I'm I I feel like transitioning from someone that contributed to something to someone that wants to be involved in um
1: the creation
2: con- yeah the creation and 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 moving my stuff into that realm it's like it's <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting thing it's something that um, you know, I'm dialing in. I'm dialing in all my like publishing licensing. Yeah. But when you have when you have at least a vehicle where that's been set up, like you can see your ASCAP uh, mm-hmm. inbox and stuff, and so then it becomes like registering titles and yep, and just and nowadays that's the great thing is like we can put all our stuff. We have all these we have all these tools like there's this one level we don't make it like we i don't want to say we like some hard done by thing but like you know <laughs> people don't make as much music as they did, make as money as they did like i say in the 90s but it's true like the access i mean even like doing this podcast i mean the mm-hmm. poten- the poten- it can potentially reach as many people as possible because like, people yeah. have that that many access there's no gatekeepers anymore mm-hmm. and that's kind of overwhelming and exciting at the same time. And so I'm in, I'm kind of dialing all of that in, just seeing what that's about. But I think what's good about being in the pop world is that, or just close to it, is that there's an open-mindedness to like, and a sort of like, this is what we want to do. We want this to reach, and we intend for this to reach however many million people.
1: Huh. That's cool.
2: I think sometimes jazz dudes can be a little, or jazz folk can be a little...
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yes I, 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 indeed. I think I, I we've want that all to change that. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So this trio <clears throat> that you mentioned that you're workshopping right now with the yeah. songs that you're writing where are you taking it or what are you doing with it? Are you playing it out yet or mm-hmm. are you recording it yet? Or what's we, your we, plan?
2: Oh, uh, we've played it out. We've played we did a first show at the Blue Moon uh end of September. Mm-hmm. That went really well um, And I was really pumped Because I play I have a lot of fun playing with um, Tim and Brad Like there's a Nice exploratory vibe That we get into And um, So I just wanted to see What could happen And I knew that Brad also played A lot a lot of Tim's music mm-hmm. um, Tim's uh, Has his singer Tim Kennedy has his songwriting project forget what it's called i think it's like hot rod is what it's
1: called oh yeah Yeah. hot rod yeah
2: so so i knew that they had some rapport there and i've been playing a lot with tim in a -hmm. bunch of different settings of late so so there was just that openness and so what i'm aiming to do is i think our next gig unless we have something before that is going to be at uh barboza december 27th Mm -hmm opening for and tim and i also be playing with casa overall in his project We'll be playing with them i think uh and
1: uh Casa's a great drummer for yeah. those who don't know yep and producer yep
2: and uh so it's just to keep playing with that uh get a demo going just for gigs and to do for different stuff and to and because like describe the music is like it's like curtis mayfield meets bjork Smokey Robinson meets Tom York. Whoa. (laughs) It's got this like soulful but avant-pop sort of thing going Uh on. I sing high. Cool. um, And we just mess. And so it's, and then the the lyrics are are poetic and also personal, but then kind of disguised in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And um, the plan is to really get a recording where that trio is dialed in. And then I raised some money to orchestrate it and make this really lush and like gorgeous, like orchestral avant pop soul awesome. album. So that's mm. the, that's the, that's the intention. That's the goal. That's amazing. But right now, just to get the, could you get that trio dialed in that can yeah. do a bunch of stuff and that frees up. Then when you go into a studio with that and you just have like that flexible and tight foundation, so yeah.
0: That sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Uh, I had another question, but I got so distracted at how amazing it would be to hear that record that you're describing. Uh-oh. So I'm really looking forward, uh, lo- real looking forward to that. Me too. So uh, we're probably at about time here, and it's uh-huh. uh, about time to wrap up. And I just thank you so much thank for you. spending an evening here with yeah, us. Thanks, uh, Evan. Uh, thank <laughs> <you> <laughs> so I really appreciate it. I've had a really fun time and great conversations with you. Um I wanted to ask before we close um are there any shows that you're playing in the next couple of weeks other than that December gig with your trio that you want to talk about? Let's see.
2: Well, I'm doing I'm doing with that trio we're doing. So I did this show back in March called Eleven the Muse and Family. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was uh supported by Kickstarter.
0: Cool.
2: And uh we're doing a donor appreciation party at the Royal Room November 18th. Cool. And uh what's cool about that also is that some of the folks who do- the folks who donated at the uh, at a certain level, uh, I was gonna write tunes for them, and so that trio is gonna play the tunes on November eighteenth. So nice. that's November eighteenth, seven thirty at the Royal Room. And then uh, Tim and Brad will be aboard. But then I'll we'll have uh, Thomas Marriott and Kate Olson at Tula's on November twenty fourth, and that there will be playing a lot of my. Um, Older and newer, uh, quote-unquote, jazz tunes from a long time ago. And I'm just looking forward to playing with those folks and having a night at Tula. So those those are immediately coming up. All right. November 24th. November 18th,
0: November 24th. Fun stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks again for hanging out with us. No problem. Thank you. That's all we got for this month.